Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shape metal. Please visit us on our website at the metal pit www.themetalpit.org where you can find album reviews interviews and live show reviews also follow us on facebook and instagram at the metal pit and on our youtube channel which is youtube.com at the metal pit 666 where we have you know video album reviews interviews zoom interviews and all kinds of stuff starting there I am your host, Blake, and I have with me one of my writers at the Metal Pit, Eric. How are you today, Eric? Hey, Blake. What's going on, man? I am doing fabulous this morning. How are you doing? Good. We're only a week or whatever from Halloween. You got your costume picked out yet? (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure about a costume, but I have a plethora of candy. That's How about good. you? You have your costume picked yeah. out? Uh, I don't have a costume either, but I have my house decorated and uh, to see how many kids will be scared away from coming to my door. Uh, we <laughs> have lots of candy too, so because nice. we usually get a lot as kids. So, <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is our last regular episode for the month of October, and we're kind of celebrating Halloween this month with maybe some scary albums or whatever. We had an episode on the band Bathory. We had one on Freddy Krueger's underwear, which is FKU for short. And the last one was a death metal band, the death metal band Deicide. And that episode is also a video episode available on our YouTube channel. But if a hot knife slicing through butter scares you, you better not watch it. But if you're okay with that image, please check it out as Kim and Jason did a great job with that one. On Halloween night next week, uh, that will mark the three-year anniversary of this version of the Metal Pit. And on that one, we reveal the Metal Pit Writers Top 50 Metal Albums of All Time, as most of our writers, not Eric, but (laughs) have submitted their Top 50 list to me so that from those lists, we will announce the Top 50 Albums as I calculate that out when we do that. But to finish off this month and the Halloween theme, we thought, what better uh, band to talk about Halloween than one that almost sounds like Halloween, and that is, oh, I just said it, Halloween, (laughs) but the group Halloween with their 1987 album, Keeper of the Seven Keys, Part One. Eric, when did you first hear either this album or about Halloween? All right, well, a top 50 would just be too difficult for my brain, but I did give you a number one album. Yes. So Halloween, that video for Halloween is was the first time I was exposed to the band. So it was in the, I guess it was around, it had to have been 80, I'm going to say 87, um, when I saw the video. And uh, I was like, what on earth is this? I couldn't believe that MTV actually played such a long song. And uh, the music grabbed me right away. And Michael Kitsky's High Falsado, I mean, whew, it was it was definitely something different. Uh, how about you, Blake? Well, I knew I had the first EP, the five song oh, cool. EP. Now I can't remember now, you know, it's always hard to remember <laughs> sometimes how I discover these bands. I don't know if I just saw the album and there was a pumpkin on it, of course, <laughs> on the first one. So I don't know if I heard it first or if I just saw the picture and thought, oh, I'm getting this. I don't really know. And of course, the group is called Halloween. I thought, well, that's kind of (laughs) cool. So, yeah, I've listened to them ever since the start of the career. And then, of course, you know, Keeper of the Seven Keys. This is their second full studio album. They had the EP and then they had the album Walls of Jericho. Jericho. Mm-hmm. And guitarist Kay Hansen sang vocals on those two albums, the EP and the Walls of Jericho. But for this album, they got, as you mentioned, Michael Kisk in because Kay Hansen was having, he wanted to do more guitar and not have to worry about singing at the same time. So that's why they did it. 
Now, the band originally planned to release Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and 2 as a double album, but their record label refused, insisting, insisting that the albums be released separately. And in 1993, both albums were released as a double CD with bonus tracks, but we're not going to discuss any bonus tracks. Halloween have 17 studio albums in their career, as as well as the debut EP, so 18, kind of. Um, I would say the, first, the EP and Walls of Jericho were more speed metal, and then once they got Michael Kiskin here, they kind of turned into more European, or into power metal, I mean. And they could be like the first maybe power metal band or first European power metal band. What do you think about that? That's what I read. And that's what I actually thought as well. I thought they were given credit for being the first speed, uh, pardon me, power metal band. They had that, you know, they obviously had the up-tempo speed, but they had uh, the operatic vocals mixed in with the very maiden slash priest harmonies that I just love so much. That was one of the first things that grabbed me. But yes, I, I think you're spot on, Blake. Um, they should, they uh, have been credited as the first power metal band. Yeah, even though, like, I guess sometimes Iron Maiden and Judas Priest are kind of sometimes considered power metal. But, you know, I do think it's different. I think Halloween kind of changed it. But I know Halloween was definitely in, influenced by those two bands, of course, too. <laughs> so on this album, the lineup is, as we said, Michael Kisk. Kiski, sorry, on vocals. He was only 18 years old on this album. And we had Kay Hansen and Michael Wycath, who on both on guitar, Wycath has been in the band since it started. And on bass was Marcus Grosskopf, who has a great name. <laughs> and he has also been in the band since it started. And Ingo Switzenberg was the drummer, and he unfortunately has passed away. And let's see. And I just, I'm not going to do a lot of stuff about their live songs, but I do have just one note. This album has been played the second most, songs from this album has played the second most times in Halloween's live concerts, according to sitelist.fm website. Future World being like the third, well, we'll talk about, uh, well, we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about the songs. Let's start. Now, this is only a 36 minute album, I think it is, and there's really only like what five songs on it in a way <laughs> because we have <laughs> an instrumental intro and then we have an instrumental outro mostly instrumental outro and then mm -hmm. we have one song that's 13 minutes long <laughs> so there's really not that many songs so we'll have to talk slow <laughs> so the first song is initiation with a, it's a short instrumental i don't know do you want to say anything about that eric Oh, definitely. I made notes for every song. Um, okay. And initiation, this is the ideal place on the album uh, for a succinct instrumental. Uh, it moves at a slow pace, uh, offering hints of what is to come uh, with flourishes of melodic guitars and keyboards. Uh, I like, see, uh, I should have went back and listened to their first two albums because I know they had the happy, happy Halloween theme thing going on, <laughs> I think, on the first album. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I haven't listened to either of those two in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, neither. Well, yeah, sometimes I'll put on Walls of Jericho, but uh, but yeah, it's been a while. But anyway, so yeah, so then we get to the first song, which is or the first real song, I guess, is "I'm Alive," and I'll let you start talking about that one too. Well, Halloween kicks in the door with this number. Uh, Michael Kiske's uh, voice. Uh, I mean, it just soars from his first spoken word. Uh, what a full and sensational chorus. Oh, it's so memorable. Uh, the tremolo-picked harmony solos are immediate highlights. Um, and the lyrics are actually uplifting to mirror the music. Uh, what did you think about this one, Blake? Well, it's a... Uh... This is a fast, it's a fast, oh, I called it an opener since the first instrumental, but whatever. It's a fast, it's a fast one. One of the faster ones on the album, probably kind of harking back to the earlier two albums of the speed metal more thing. And yeah, you really notice like, this is like a power metal heaven song with his vocals, like he just said. And it's funny because I don't mention my wife too much on this on these podcasts because she's not a heavy metal fan. But whenever I play Halloween, like in the car or something, and Michael Kiska is on vocals, 
she'll say, is that Bruce Dickinson? And I say, or she'll say, is that Iron Maiden? I mean, and I go, no, it's not Iron Maiden. It's Halloween. So, <laughs> so she definitely hears some, the influence of Bruce Dickinson on Michael Kiske and his vocals. And, uh, this is more of a melodic power metal band. Like I said, than the or power metal song. than we got on the first two albums that were more, <laughs> Rawr and stuff, I guess we would say. And of course, Hanson's vocals aren't the same. And then we get to the song A Little Time. Uh, this one is a little slower than I'm Alive. And in the middle, we get the clock ticking and noises, sound effects. Kind of reminds me of Queensryche. <laughs> oh, wow. Reason. Good, good pull. <laughs> nice, Blake. You know, their, you know, concept stuff they used to do. But anyway, uh, it's a great song, but probably it's probably this is probably my least favorite one on the album. But again, we're only talking about five or six songs here, but it's still a great song. It's just probably one of my least favorite ones. And what do you think of A Little Time? Well, you you already covered the tempo. You know, I just just to add to it. I, this is a solid mid tempo piece. Uh, it doesn't have the ferocity that I'm Alive or Twilight of the Gods has. Uh, but it's, you know, it's it's a pretty solid track number three. Uh, the power chords sustain, allowing the vocals to establish a hook. Uh, the chorus is simple, yet it is solid. Uh, the interlude with the clock and sound effects uh, offers some, uh, you know, some subtle, really some subtle guitars. It's smart. Uh, I like the song. And, oops, sorry. And it's, uh, well, it's probably one of... I mean, they're all good. Like I say, they're all good songs, really. Again, it helps that there's only six of them. <laughs> but, there, you know, there's no fillers in this short album, act, as it turns out. Let me go to Twilight of the Gods, which is a great title for a song. And I'll let you start talking about that. I don't really have that much. There was supposed to be three people on this podcast. So I didn't have a lot wrote down about every song. So feel free to expand on this one. <laughs> all right. Well. These Germans do not relent. Honestly, I can't decide which stands out more. The musicianship, speed picking with more twin harmonies and bends, or Kiski soaring and infectious singing. Um, I really like this song a lot. Um, the verses, I didn't write any of this down. The verses are, are just fit the song well. Chorus, you'll notice with, in my opinion, both Keeper albums, parts one and two, the choruses are always memorable. Uh, they're well arranged. Um, and the twin harmonies, again, uh, they do a great job. Um, and I'll probably, you know, it depends on our time, but for the song Halloween, I'll, I'll definitely expand on some of the lead guitar playing on that one. But um, yeah, this is, this is actually, um, gosh, it's hard. I, I really have never ranked the songs on here, but it's probably out of, out of all these songs, it's probably my third favorite. I like the well again. I like them, but anyway, <laughs> I like the killer uh, guitar leads that they started the song with, and then I feel there's some kind of maiden like galloping in the music there as the song gets going there. And yeah, it's one of my well, one of my favorites. I don't know, it's hard to say. I don't know how many favorites can I have on an album because there's still some favorites coming up. One being the next one, The Tale That Wasn't Right. And this is, I guess, would be our power metal ballad for this album. And again, it's showcasing Kiski's standout vocals. But I love the mood of the song and how it goes. And it's it's just, it's one of my favorite Halloween songs, actually, is this one. And what do you think of The Tale That Wasn't Right? And here we have a ballad. Uh, should we flip a coin to see if Blake likes, likes it or not? We've already <laughs> spoke first. But I wrote that specifically for you in this podcast. Um, everything about this tune works from the acoustic guitars to the drums and bass uh, to the ly lyrics and vocals. Um, the chorus drips with emotion. Um, let's see. So I can't help myself. Uh, there's another just amazing chorus here. Um, you know, I really like I was going to cover the chorus, but part of the uh, the uh, early first verse you know, uh, thanks to you, my dear old friend, but you can't help. This is the end of a tale that wasn't right. I won't have no sleep tonight. Thought that was really well done. Um, you can just, you can just definitely tell that that's a, a heartfelt uh, verse there. So yeah, I like, I like the lyrics quite a bit in this song too. And in the next one as well. 
I know I always do say that I'm not a ballad fan, but then I get on these podcasts and then I'm usually saying, actually, I like this one. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's that I don't like ballads by, you know, other groups like Guns N' Roses or something like that. I hate their ballads, but I guess these bands that I like, I can handle their ballads. Maybe that's maybe that's the thing. And we, yeah, we haven't really you discussed the lyrics. We haven't really discussed lyrical content. And actually, sometimes I'll look up meanings for songs, but I really couldn't find much about it. I mean, you can kind of, you know, a little time makes sense. There's only a little time in the world and stuff. Take advantage of it. And, mm-hmm. and of course, the next song is probably self-explanatory when we get into that one. And so now we go to side two and we're real. There's really only two songs on side two since it has the outro there so we're gonna start with future world and i'll let you this is one this is yeah like i mentioned i think i meant oh i didn't mention i stopped this is the third most played halloween song live just after eagle fly free and dr steen so this is definitely one of the biggest songs ever (laughs) future world so what do you think of future world well, I don't normally talk about lyrics, actually. Uh, this is my seventh podcast with you. <laughs> and I normally don't cover the ly- lyrics, but, you know, as I was uh, re-listening to Keeper Part 1, uh, our future life will be glorious. Just the way the lyrics kind of roll off uh, Michael's tongue and, and the melody that he uh, utilizes, just one of my favorite lyrics and the way it's delivered. Um, what an excellent uh, display of harmony guitar playing with some legato techniques, which is Hammer on and pull loss for those that don't play guitar. It's very smooth guitar playing throughout. It sounds great. Uh, Priest and Maiden would be proud. <laughs> yes, and and you're whoops, you're like our you're about the only guitarist or what I guess I will say accomplished guitarist of our staff that are on our podcast. So it's okay if you don't talk about lyrics, because you can talk about the guitar things that other people won't talk about. And then they'll talk about the lyrics. Cause, and sometimes, I mean, I go back to this trying to remember what 87. So I was in my twenties, young, early twenties, <laughs> And I didn't really care about lyrics. I mean, sometimes I would say the lines and think, oh, I love this line, but it never really, I didn't care what the song was about lyrically, mm-hmm. as long as the music was awesome and everything. So I didn't care as long as they weren't talking about <laughs> killing kittens or something like that, which of course, yeah. Halloween's not going to be doing. <laughs> Even though they have hell in their out there group's title, they're not really singing about too many bad things usually. <laughs> so yeah, Future World <laughs> is one of my favorite songs too. I don't have anything else to say about the album. It's like a power metal anthem and I'm sure it's a crowd favorite and a, they probably do a sing-along thing. I've never seen Halloween Live, so I can't confirm that, but I'm sure it <laughs> is. And then we go to the epic song halloween and here i'll start i guess and hopefully i don't say anything that you're gonna say so we know for song i would say it's one of the best metal songs of all time or at least one of my favorite metal songs of all time like i say we're gonna do our top 50 albums thing i'm hoping next year we can do our top 50 metal songs <laughs> of all time which is probably going to be harder than albums mm, but if gosh. we do that this would probably be in my list Everything about this song is just like pure metal, pure power metal magic. We have the slower intro, kicking it in, the crowd-like sounding chat chant of masquerade, masquerade to start the song off with. And for me, as a kid growing up watching Peanuts cartoons, <laughs> you know, like in the Great Pumpkin that uh, Linus, I think, is yeah, Linus was waiting mm-hmm. for pumpkin patch i thought it was so funny that they mentioned that in the lyrics of the song and i don't know as a kid growing up with charlie brown i thought it was funny and cool that was great (laughs) and i know there's i i know the guitar i play guitar or i tried to play guitar and i know this is a song where i'd be like oh i wish i could play something like this so it's still good for my air guitar playing anyway i look really good doing it so <laughs> so eric <laughs> talk about the guitar stuff and anything else about the song halloween all right will do so i did neglect to say that future world is my second favorite track on this album <laughs> halloween is easily unequivocally my number one halloween song uh, out of all of their albums, 
Uh, I don't own all their albums, but wow, the Keeper Part One and Two are both just—they're absolute gems. And you—you you will definitely hear on this podcast and on our future Megadeth podcast where these two Halloween uh, albums place. I think very highly of them. But you want an epic? You've got one. This song <laughs> opens with a some tension-filled guitars uh, and a really pretty cool phrase, actually. Um, the verse hits breakneck speed, something they do well. Uh, the vocals and music cover so much terrain between the verses, pre-chorus and chorus. Um, there are some slippery uh, bass fills actually in here too. Um, you can hear those better with the earbuds. Um, just kind of a side note there. Um, there's a really cool tempo change when the bridge is introduced. Um, I, I really love bands that can pull off the, the tempo changes. Not not all bands can. Um, now, I, I don't feel, I was going to leave this out, but honestly, it's something I do firmly believe in. I don't feel the guitarists of Halloween really got their due, uh, especially from this album and the Keeper Part 2 album. Um, so they, they, they have some excellent soloing in this entire song, and their use of trills and speedy alternate picking is excellent. Uh, one lyric that uh, kind of, it's really the musical section and the lyrics of Darkness, where am I now? What an effective change tonally and emotionally. I, I always really like that part. And they have the heavy guitar parts and then the acoustic parts too. Um, again, that's you definitely have to put some planning in to that to, to pull it off and then make it sound really good for the average uh, metal you know listener because we are picky. You know, <laughs> am I right, Blake? We're picky yes. about what we listen to, so they better deliver and, and they deliver in spades on this song. Um, Halloween's use of keys, uh, which resembles a choir and later an organ, is really well placed. Um, even casual metal fans can tell that Halloween took their time uh, constructing this 30, pardon me, this 13 minute power metal opus. Now, did, now do you compare it to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner when you first heard it just because it was such a long song? It's funny. Um, that's, that's really a nice um kind of an apples to apples comparison blake i've never i've never pictured it that way um I, I i guess i don't know i'm just thinking i mean they're really you know rhyme of the ancient mariner is not really that much older than that than that song i mean it is no. but not by a significant amount of years but no. never, i've never i see your perspective but i've never really compared the two um but it was uh it was just one of those tracks where i again i was um you know not to not to, to be a scratch record or, or a scratch CD, if you will. But I, I was just dumbfounded that MTV actually uh, had the Gajones to play the whole, uh, you know, song, the, the video, you know. And I was like, wow, these guys just keep going. But it wasn't just repeating verses. It wasn't the chorus 10 million times. I was like, wow, they've really put some thought into this. Um, is it too much? I guess, no, that depends on the listener. I, I thought, I think that everything in that song, uh, in the song, fits well um but i like that comparison blake i can kind of see that well i think i just kind of i don't know if i ever thought that back when it came out or whatever mm -hmm. i would have heard mm -hmm. ryan the ancient mariner first 1984 i think it was mm -hmm. five whatever yeah, um, 84 you're right 84 um but just when i was listening to it like for this podcast i was thinking hmm i wonder i wonder if they heard iron maidens rhyme the ancient mariner and thought shit they can do a 13 minute song we can do a 13 minute song or if it's something they thought of on their own that they were going to do anyway or if they thought if iron maiden can do it it must be okay for a band to do a 10 12 whatever 13 minute song i don't know it's just something that came into my head and so i was i wasn't asking like you to say oh i like this one better than this one but there is some, I mean, you know, you, you can't do 13 minutes all the same speed, then it's going to be a little boring. Exactly. <laughs> I would think. And probably hard to play live too, I would assume. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you, you know, you're going to get those slower parts and whatever. And, but yeah, it is a great song. And I just love the guitar stuff. And like I said, I still air guitar to it all the time. When I hear <laughs> it. <laughs> because there's no way I could play it with my real fingers. So... <laughs> Uh, and then we end the album with Follow the Sign, and uh, this is another kind of, it's mostly instrumental, there's some spoken word parts, but it's mostly just Follow the Sign. Uh, so what do you think of that ending to the album? Um, you know, this could be the uh, yang to initiations yen 
Uh, it does have more of an exotic sound as um, the guitarist utilized the harmonic minor scale uh, with some humming synth in the background. And then, as you had noted, uh, Blake, the quiet spoken word by Michael. I like it. I think it's a pretty cool closer. It, it really makes you, to, to me, it makes you want to listen to the whole album again, just loop through it one more time. And as you noted, it, it's a short album, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but such a great album as well. Well, I'm wondering, like, because they said before, they wanted to make it a double album. Mm -hmm. Like, they wanted to release it as a double album. So I'm wondering if at the time this was in there to say, okay, this is the end of album one. Now we're going on to album two. But then, you know, the record label said, no, we're waiting a year to release the next album. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if that was part of it or not. But That's possible. Yeah, that, that's a good point. But, uh, and I was trying to look, uh, well, first, I'll just ask before I'll look it up while you talk. <laughs> uh, so what would you rate this album out of 10? Or how would you maybe compare it to the second one also, too? Like, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2. You know what? I was going to actually listen to Keeper Part 2 before we did this podcast, <laughs> just in case you asked me that. And I listened to three albums yesterday just to get ready for our 1988 Top 10 next month. I did not listen to Keeper Part 2. Um, I will say I, I've listened to Keeper Part 2 a little bit more than Part 1. Um, it, it's hard for me to judge. I was, admittedly, you know, I'll be completely uh, transparent with you. I was looking up the length. I mean, I probably just should have put it up on iTunes or whatever, but I was looking up the length of Keeper Part 2, and I, I, didn't, I didn't quite get the time length on it. Um, but I was trying to kind of figure out, yeah, let me see. Actually, it is, it's 49 minutes long. Part two is Thanks. 49 minutes. Thanks. Okay, so still not a, still not a really long album. Um, but, yeah, I could see where they were going. Like you said, you know, with a 36, you said like 36-minute album and then a 49-minute album. I mean, I could see how that would be a double album. But I can yeah. also see the, uh, I can see the record company's <laughs> decision to, to kind of shoot that down. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say that the albums are, are comparable. As I said, I listen to part two more often, but without part one, I don't think they would have been able to write an, an Eagle Fly Free or uh, I Love Save Us. What a driving song. Um, and, and honestly, without Halloween, do you think there would ever be a Keeper part two song? No, I don't think no. so. <laughs> and I don't, I don't yeah. think, uh, I think I like number two better, but probably like number two better because it's longer. So there's more songs mm -hmm. on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like you got, I I think you mentioned I want out, and you got Doctor Steen and Eagle Steen. Fly oh, yeah. Free, Keeper of the Seven Keys, another thirteen minute song. Oh yeah, and, what a journey! Yeah. But yeah, they're both great albums. But and it is hard to. There's actually another podcast episode on that one. We've already did that one. I did that one with Stacia and a friend of hers. It. So yeah. so yeah. if anybody likes this one, make sure you go back and look for our number two. I'm sure we mentioned the song Halloween on that episode too, because I do remember <laughs> Stacia really loves that song too. <laughs> and yeah. I can't remember well, what we ranked. I think I can't remember what we ranked at the end of that episode. Yeah, anyway, uh, sorry, well, did you give a I'm rating? Gonna... You didn't give a rating. What do you give this out yeah. of 10 then, this one? That's where I was going. So right. A, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that podcast. I actually do have it checked. I have it on Spotify. I do have it downloaded. Um, so, um, and the Practice What You Preach podcast was the most recent one I listened to. I like that a lot. Nice job, guys. Um, really love that album. But going back to Halloween, I would say I'm giving it a solid nine out of 10. How about you, Blake? What do you, what do you rank it? That is exactly what I'm giving it to. Okay. Okay. And it's probably, nice. I don't remember, probably Keeper number two. I might've gave it a 10 and I probably would only gave it a 10 because there's more songs to like. <laughs> But I can't recall what I did give it. I'd have to, I'll, you'll, you'll have to listen to the podcast and tell me what I gave it. <laughs> I have to. That's my homework. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, it's a great album. And it's just, I do wish it was, I don't like short albums, but back then I didn't really even think about it because nope. I know I've done other podcasts about groups and going, oh, I hate that the album's only 30 minutes long or whatever. And you're like, I want at least 40, 45 minutes. But it wasn't a problem. It's great songs and everything. So, yeah. So now have you ever seen Halloween live? I did. I did. I saw them in the eighties. I want to say again, it's been a while. I want to say they were the opener for clash of the Titans. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm. Um, they opened up for some thrashers. Um, yeah. I want out was, was a real standout live track. 
Uh, obviously, it's one of their anthems. Um, but they, you know, Kiski sounded great. The band was driving. The crowd actually liked them. I wasn't really sure what like a speed thrash metal crowd would would think, but I, I was jacked up. I I, I thought it was kind of like a bonus that they're actually playing alongside, um, you know, such a hard hitting lineup there. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good show. Uh, I only called them once. How about you, Blake? Did you ever now, did you ever see them live? Uh, well, first, what year would that have been then? Like, or what album would have been after? number two then it or? should have been after number okay. two i want to say that was i want to say it's 89 okay it sounds about uh, and, right. okay no i have never seen halloween live i always wanted to yeah. they played in toronto this year and i wanted to go but i think i had to work or something like that i forget mm. but i did get a shirt because stacia went and she bought me a shirt from the concert <laughs> so oh, i have a, a shirt win. from the concert anyway yeah. but yeah i didn't get yeah. to go so yeah i've never seen them live i don't they don't really tour north america that often either mm -hmm. you're right about that over the years like i don't remember ever when i was younger thinking i want to go see halloween i don't remember them ever even i'm sure they did sometimes but it was probably just when i couldn't go or something like that now um now you mentioned about oh where i lost my notes oh here about other albums you kind of stop listening to them a little bit or whatever but do you have any comments on some of the other albums in their catalog yeah yeah that's one that that is that is one regret like i, I stopped listening to for whatever weird reason i stopped listening to halloween and annihilator i think with annihilator i was just getting into so many other bands at the time um allison hell such a phenomenal album i do need to listen to more of their music Halloween, Michael Kiske was one of my guys back in the day. When he left, I was like, man, this sucks. I was like, what is going on? He's doing a solo album. I was like, whatever, you know. So that was kind of hard. Um, but I want to say, what's the, uh, what's, do you know what, off the top of your head, what that 94 album is? So there was, there was one album I picked up. Master of the like, Rings is 94. Rings. It, was, it was the Rings, yeah. So I picked that up, and I, it, I didn't think it stunk. But I was like, okay, it sounds okay. But I was like, I, I like the music. Uh, I, I got to say, um, I did give it a chance. Um, I did like the music overall. The vocals, eh, they were okay. But I was like, you know, Kiski is just sounded so much better than, I, I'm not really sure who the vocalist was. You, I think you have it right there. Uh, um, Master of the Rings. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up. That's okay. That's that's okay. I don't mean to, I don't, I don't I mean to put you on the but... spot. Yeah, yeah, you were you were definitely the diehard fan, man. Andy you know, Darris was uh, and Andy Darris was a vocalist, and he's also he's still a vocalist with Halloween, as is Michael Kiske because he's back too. Because they have actually three vocalists. Because vocalists, Kai Hansen right. also does some vocals, but I don't think he does as much as the other two guys do. Yeah, but I like Andy yeah. Darris too myself. Okay, yeah. So to to um kind of wrap up your question, I would say. I mean, I love both Keeper albums. I, I still like Walls of Jericho. You know, the EP I didn't listen to too much. Uh, the Good, the Best, and the Rest. I mean, obviously, there's some live stuff in there. That's pretty fun. Uh, Dr. Steen, you know, that's a, that's a fun one live. He really gets the crowd going. Um, I only listened to this twice, but I'm going to spin it some more thanks to you, Blake. Keeper of the Seven Keys, The Legacy. So I've got yes. that downloaded from 2005. Um, the first one, I like the first three songs. I'm thinking, you know what, uh, Mrs. God was one I really liked. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the Shade and the Shadow, I believe, is one of the heavier songs. I like that one quite a bit, too. Um, and I think Light, in the Light the Universe, I don't know if that was a ballad or not, but for some reason, that one I thought had a good melody with Candace Knight. Uh, she was a, a guest musician on there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, how about you, Blake? Do you have uh, any other... Like well, because I was going to say that is my my I think my favorite Halloween album actually is the one that you just mentioned, the Keeper of the Seven Keys, the Legacy. I think that is actually okay. my favorite, and it is actually is a double album. I guess the studio gave in and said, "Okay, release a double album." <laughs> I thought it was a long album. It's that's interesting. Okay, it's a double album. I'm looking at it now. It's one hour and seventeen minutes. So, okay. yeah, because yeah. you got the first song on it is thirteen minutes long. That's yeah. <laughs> That's pretty gutsy, man. I don't. I don't care what year it's released. I mean, to to open an album with a thirteen minute song, honestly, seven minutes. So, like a seven minute song, seven eight minute song would be a a big deal, you know. But I mean, a thirteen minute, you know, you can tell Halloween doesn't care. You get you got to appreciate the the artist mindset there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've I've really I've kept listening to them. I mean, there's some few albums, Cham Chamalon, or I think it's called from 1993. Okay. I didn't really like that album too much. And okay. some of the albums, Pink Bubbles Go Ape. There was maybe only a few songs that I liked on it. I did like mm -hmm. the Time of the Oath a lot. And uh like i said keep it seven keys and some of the later ones i did one album with an orchestra i don't think i have that listed here but where they oh, had an I'll orchestra have to check playing that out. with them which is cool i'll definitely have to check that out cool and i actually, i have a live album in my hands or a live cd i guess which mm -hmm. was from 1989 and it only has six songs on it so it's kind of like an huh. ep thing but oh, I can't, wow. it's not available on Spotify. Now, maybe people are on Apple. Maybe it's on Apple. It's just called I Want Out, I guess, live is what it's called. Oh, I, I had that cassette, actually. Okay, because so, it just has a little time, <laughs> Dr. Steen, Future World, We Got the Right, I Want Out, and How Many Tears on it. But I oh, love yeah. that. How many, I love how many the tears is great. I love the yeah. singer's performance in that one and his mm -hmm. play with the crowd and stuff. So that's one of my favorite live albums, actually, even though it's kind of a short one. But anyway, so, okay, so I guess that's all about this album, and we're going to finish the episode talking about our top 10, I lost my note, so here it is, <laughs> top 10, no, top 10 album of 1987, and I guess I will let you go first, because mine is filled with thrash, <laughs> so I will let you go first with yours. Uh, there's nothing wrong with thrash. Uh, my 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 top ten for '88 has a good bit of that. Um, so 1987 top ten. This this one wasn't as difficult as the uh, top ten '88, but it still wasn't easy for me. Um, actually, kicking things off at number ten is Overkill taking over. Um, to really really like that album. Um, yeah, yeah. Blitzer definitely comes into his own on that album. Um, uh, I don't want to talk too much about each album. So number nine, I revisited these guys. I know you, and I think it's Billy. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, maybe it's Jim. But Man of War, number nine, Fighting the World. I revisited this album because I remember it really made an impact many, many moons ago. And uh, that Black Wind, Fire, and Steel, there are some great tracks on this album, man. That's yes. uh, so good. Um, the Energy... Uh, man, I, you know, power and energy, I suppose, are interchangeable, but what, a, what an awesome album. Um, let's see, number eight. This will be a curveball for most of our uh, Metal Pit legions of fans here and writers, but I'm going for Doc and Back for the Attack. George Lynch absolutely mm -hmm. just blisters through the entire album. Um, check out Lost Behind the Wall. It's just one of these kind of under-the-radar tracks. It's just got this... It's got this cool, like, just aura to it. It's got just this edge. And uh, Don's vocals are a little bit more kind of even keel. But um, there's Mr. Scary. I mean, it's, it, it's got some, some really good songs on there. Um, obviously, Kiss of Death. Uh, I could go on, but I'll choose not to. I used Number to wait, I used to listen to a lot of Dokken back back okay. in those days. They didn't make my list. But, yeah, I, cool. I have no problem with Dokken and stuff. Cool. Go ahead. Oh, crap. Crap, we didn't do honorable mentions. Maybe can we can I do that? No, you afterwards? can do that after you yeah. do your okay. Cool. Yeah, I was just kind of looking at that. Um, this one, so this was a little hard for me, um, because I don't really listen to it much these days. But this this album um is one of the two that well, maybe one of the three that really made an impact from the artist. So uh number seven is King Diamond Abigail. Um mm -hmm. I really like this album quite a bit. I don't listen to them really a whole lot these days. But the uh, the the rhythm guitar playing and lead guitar playing are are very, I think they're very influential actually on a lot of other bands that came out after King Diamond. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I guess Family Ghost gets kind of most of the pub, but um, there are so many great songs on the album. Uh, number six, this one was a little tough for me to slot because he's one of my all-time favorite vocalists. Um, and he might be one of your favorite vocalists too. I'm not hundred percent sure, but it's Dio dream evil. So this to me was a comeback album for Dio. No disrespect to sacred heart. I think it's, that's a fabulous song. The album I thought was pretty good. Dream evil, I think is a solid comeback album. Um, you know, sunset Superman. I learned it on guitar. I love the vocals on that track. Very driving. Uh, the whole album's excellent. Um, 
you know, Naked in the Rain, kind of a strange uh, title, but that's got a pretty cool vibe to it. Um, really, really dig that album, though. Uh, obviously, the title track is is really good, too. Uh, let's find number five. <clears throat> this one, actually, <laughs> this morning, I thought about bumping this one up a little bit more. Um, this is another one that really impacted me in my youth. Armored Saint, Raising Fear. Uh, I've always been a John Bush guy. Uh, I did like him on Sound of White Noise with Anthrax. I didn't really listen to much of his other Anthrax material. I always felt that he fit Armored Saint better. Uh, I actually saw them last October, and uh, I don't want to offend anybody, but I guess I will. They blew Wasp <laughs> off the stage, and I like Wasp, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but the musicianship, yeah, the musicianship just trumped them. Uh, Raising Fear is an excellent album, beginning to end. Um, Chris Pritchard, um, you know, he's he's long gone, but guitar player is definitely uh, definitely an influence on me and for many guitar players. Um, number four, here we go. Sabotage, Fall of the Mountain King. Whew. Man, 87 was a damn good year for metal music. <laughs> I got to say, um, I've already I raved about this on our last podcast, our last Sabotage yeah. podcast. Um, I, I like the entire album. Uh, 24 hours ago, man, I mean, you want to talk about a, it's a bit of an unconventional song, but there is some blistering guitar playing. And I love Oliva's uh, vocals on it. He just hits, hits some crazy like shrieks, but it, it fits the song very well. Um, this is, I'm a, a little bit torn here, but I'm going to stick with my list. Number three, this is the only instrumental uh, album that made it on my list. Joe Satriani, Surfing with an Alien. Uh, this album actually went gold, so it was highly successful. Um, Joe's one of my all-time favorite guitar players. Uh, beginning to end, it's a sensational album. Uh, it's hard for me to compare it with Flying in a Blue Dream. This is not a Satriani podcast, so I will not do this. Um, but it's Crushing Day, Satch Boogie. Um, yeah, the, the whole album's just so great. But I got to say, our uh, German friends, uh, Halloween ended up just edging out. Joe, sorry about that, buddy. But uh, Keeper Part 1 is number two for me. Um, I listened to it. I don't think I told you this, Blake. Not a big deal. It's not a, not nothing uh, earth shattering. I listened to Keeper Part 1 for just pretty much just randomly um, uh, several months back. I was like, gosh, you know, I forgot just how much I really enjoyed this album. And I was reminded how short the album is. I was like, gosh, why can't they play like two more songs, two or three more songs? But it's, you know, such a phenomenal album. I don't think there's a weak track on the album. We just had the podcast. So that's number two. Number one, this is kind of a combination for me where it's such an influential, uh, pardon me, influential thrash metal album. And it's a uh, top five thrash metal album for me of all time. This is Anthrax Among the Living. Um, this is just one of those albums. It would be in my top 50 if I had to sit down for <laughs> four, 48 or 72 hours to do a top 50. Um, Among the Living, just there are no words on this album at all. Um, you know, um, Caught in a Mosh. Uh, the, the intro is just genius. Uh, it's eerie. It starts off slow. And those drums just come in. And uh, Belladonna is Belladonna, you know. I guess you either love him or hate him. You know, he's got a different voice. You know, he's got he's got a more melodic range. He can do a rougher voice. But he's, he's definitely a more melodic singer for a speed thrash metal. And that's one thing that stood out to me. Um, but uh, Imitation of Life sometimes gets overlooked. I think that is an excellent song, man. What a, what a killer closing track as well. But the whole album's so good. Um, so Among the Living is number one for me and a top five thrash album of all time for me. Uh, how about Bl Blake? Well, how, about no, you, how about you? How about you? Go, what are your how many uh honorable mentions do you have there? Do you want to oh, do thanks. those first? Thanks, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, it's funny, my 88 has so many more honorable mentions, it could be it could be an actual list. So for my 87 honorable mentions. I wanted to include, um, you did actually give me the green light for Garage Days. It's an mm -hmm. EP. I chose not to include it just because the other albums are a little bit longer. I guess, honestly, Halloween, maybe 
they might be about the same length now that I think about it. But I would say Garage Days, Small Hours, is one of my favorite Metallica songs, actually. Great remake. But I would say Garage Days, Metallica. Um, I wanted to include this, but it's a live album, so I get that. Ozzy Osbourne Tribute, Randy Rhodes. I mean, this this was a just a magical album, live album. Ozzy and Randy, I mean, the whole band. So that's an honorable mention, uh, all straight to the top. Wasp Live in the Raw. I actually wanted to listen to that before our podcast. Uh, I thought that was really, um, I think it's kind of argue. I thought that was the height of their career. Great live album. Um, Testament Legacy. I, I did listen to that actually at lunch at school. <laughs> I had my earbuds in. I listened to that. And uh, man, what a ferocious uh, debut album by the uh, San Francisco Bay Thrashers. So I believe that is all I put down here. Um, now we can turn the page to uh, one Mr. Blake Mossy. Okay, now let's, with your honorable mentions and with your top 10 list, there's a lot of matches here, but maybe okay. just different orders. I'll start with my honorable, well, no, I won't. No, I'll do the, well, I have Garage Days also as an honorable mention because I listened to the hell of that thing. But yeah, it's only five mm -hmm. songs, so I thought I won't include yeah. it in the top 10 list. And I also have Trouble, Run to the Light in my honorable mentions and canadian thrash band sacrifice with their album forward determination and another german band thrash metal band tankard with their chemical invasion album which i do love i just uh just got pushed off my top 10 so number 10 i have a group called e z o have you ever heard of that group before they, that does not ring a bell. Tell tell us about it, Blake. Okay, they're they're uh no, I don't have a lot of notes about my list because you know sure. most of them are self-explanatory. But EZO is a Japanese metal band hmm. that really only had let's see, it lists that they have five albums, but as far as I know, they really only had two. But this album was in 1980, well, obviously 1987, but I don't know. I just love the album. You'd ha it's hard for me to explain it. They're probably maybe just a little heavier than hair metal or whatever. And it was actually produced by Gene Simmons of Kiss. So oh, I wow. would say it's the only good thing. This album is the only good thing Gene Simmons has ever done in music. <laughs> Sorry, Kiss fans. <laughs> That's pretty good. But anyway, I don't think I think it's a great album. It's I think it's on Spotify. So check out EZO and the, it's different, of course. I mean, we have Loudness was from Japan, but I guess if I had to make a list of my favorite albums from Japan, this would be number one. Okay. <laughs> and I wouldn't have 10, obviously. I'd have like two. <laughs> anyway, so back to my list. Okay, so number nine, oops, number nine, I have oh Joe Satriani, surfing with the alien. As I was, I was beginning to wonder if you were going to have him on your list. I thought, come on, a guitarist has to have Joe mm -hmm. Satriani. This album it's required because <laughs> yeah, I just love the title track on that one and a bunch of other ones, even the slow ones. He's just one of the best guitarists ever. He gave Kirk Hammett of Metallica some guitar lessons, and and I saw the G three tour once with him and Steve Vai and oh somebody else. Now I forget the other guy's name. Oh, Eric Sardinas, I think Eric was Johnson. The, was, was no, it was Eric Sardinas. He was kind of a bluesy oh. kind of guy. Okay. I think. I'm not sure if there was a reason that the other guys didn't come. I can't remember now, but I can't remember what year it was. But anyway, that was a highlight seeing Joe Satriani and Steve Vai the same night doing their stuff. Okay, at number eight, I got Testament, The Legacy, which you mentioned. Number seven, I got Sabotage, Hall of the Mountain King. And our number six is match as I got Dio with Dream Evil. Okay. And then we got a couple thrashers with number five. I got Exodus Pleasures of the Flesh, which I think is their third studio album, I believe. As I really, I'm a big Exodus fan, especially the early albums. And that was another one that I loved. Number four, I got Death Angel with The Ultraviolence, which was their debut album. And that had a 10-minute instrumental on, 10-minute long instrumental thrash song. And I thought that was awesome that they did that. And it has their song Kill As One, which is one of my probably one of my top 50 metal songs of all time. So I love that album. And they were like just teenagers too when they released that album. I don't even know if they were 18 yet. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm trying That's to think. That's incredible, I, actually. I, I, real quick, I don't remember the very first video they put out, but you could tell they were so young and that like their date, you know, I don't know if it was the debut album or the Frolic Through the Park, but yeah, they were, they were really young. Well, this yeah, this is a debut, so, and I'm pre- it probably was Killers One. I think was the okay. first single, as if I can remember off the top of my okay. head. Okay, and number three, I have this album that we talked about tonight, Halloween, Keeper of the Seven Keys, Part One, and probably more. He probably it's probably mostly third, just because it's not as long. You know, as the next two. Number two, I got Among the Living by Anthrax, because yes, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. And it's probably in my top 50 list, if I remember correctly, somewhere. I just don't know where. And number one, I got, you were right. I do like this group. Man of War, Fighting the World is my favorite album of 1987. All right. Wow. Because, yes, even though there's some cheesy lyrics there with trying to get on MTV with <laughs> the song. Blow but your speakers. I, yeah, I blow your speakers, <laughs> but I still love it. It's so powerful and... <laughs> So I love that. So yeah, so there we go. All right. Okay, so that is the episode. So I just want to mention again, so uh, there will be no episode next Wednesday, uh, which is uh, November 1st. There will be no episode on that day because we're going to release the episode on Tuesday, which is Halloween night. And it will be our third year anniversary episode. We reveal the Metal Pits top 50 metal albums of all time. And then Wednesday, November 8th, we will be back with our regular podcast again. And that will be the start of season two of our podcast. So this is actually our last episode of season one, not counting the top 50 thing. So this is actually the last episode of season one. So hopefully everybody will tune into that. Make sure you go check out Halloween part two that we already did podcast and check out our video podcast of the inside that was just posted and check out all our other podcasts and stay tuned and tune into our top 50 album reveal episode on Halloween night. So thanks Eric for joining me tonight. Thank you, Blake. I cannot wait to listen to that top 50. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be, it might be a little bit spooky, right? Yeah, so I'm sure we'll have costumes on, even though it's not going to be recorded on video. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so thanks for joining me, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Goodbye.